This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. There is growing criticism of a law introduced late yesterday by the Ford government limiting the liability of nursing homes as well as the government when it comes to COVID-19 related lawsuits. Before allowing a COVID-19 civil lawsuit to go ahead, judges would have to consider whether a, quote, honest effort was made to follow public health guidelines and laws related to the pandemic. The legislation would protect frontline workers like physicians and personal support workers and the province, municipalities, public health officials, and politicians. Most of all, it would shield long-term care homes, some of which are currently facing class action lawsuits, and it could affect those lawsuits because the law would be retroactive to March. Okay, I'd like to hear from you. Do you think that's a good idea? Is it, as the government said, just a move to protect people who are caught up in this and who acted and try to help in good faith? Or is it just a way uh, to uh, duck justice, to shield nursing homes that had terrible conditions uh, while they made lots of profits? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 And joining me now, Kathy Parks. Her father passed away at Orchard Villa, which was one of the nursing homes with the worst records in April. She's a plaintiff in a class action lawsuit against the parent company, Southbridge Care Homes and Orchard Villa. We also have Stephen Berman. He is a partner at the Thompson Rogers Law Firm, which is also involved in pursuing class action, and Graham Webb, Executive Director of the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. Thank you all for joining me today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Let's begin with Kathy. Uh, what did you think when you heard about this new law? Yeah, first, I just wanted to clarify that I, I'm actually not a part of class action. I'm part of a mass tort, which okay. is uh, our family filing individually. And there is a, quite a number of us from Orchard Villa families that are doing the same. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm disturbed to hear this. And it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, I, I first want to clarify something, though. I, I don't think anyone is interested. I was watching a question period today. I listened to what Doug Downey said. I do not know anyone who's going after a grocery clerk or a hockey player. And I can certainly say that for myself, my family, the people that I know, we are not interested in going after frontline workers. As a matter of fact, in my claim, you'll see that they are not mentioned. Um, there seems to be this idea put out that, you know, everyone wants to support frontline workers, including myself. And I feel like the Ford government knows that. And so they're trying to pit the, the frontline workers against the families. And I have no intention. I, I have to tell you that if it wasn't for the staff, and I'm talking frontline workers staff at Orchard Villa, I wouldn't have known the truth about my father's health status, and I wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk to him for the last time. And I've been very vocal about 
how grateful I am for that. This is about holding the owners account- uh, accountable for what they allowed to happen, for the direction that they gave, and the actions that they didn't take. Uh, yes, let's bring in uh, Stephen Berman. Uh, Stephen, uh, what do you make of the government's uh, explanation of this? Well, I echo everything that uh, Kathy just said. Um, it, it's a bit of a, it's a complete straw man argument to suggest that there's uh, any exposure for um, the PSWs or the workers. Nobody is is suing workers or PSWs. Like Kathy said, they're the heroes in this. They're the ones that we're providing our clients who are members of various classes against the most egregious homes. They're the ones that we're pro- providing some information and some support um, in their last days. I think it's really shocking and appalling. Um, I don't know why our premier and government, who has promised us since June that there would be full accountability, is uh, is pursuing this immunity legislation. I don't. I haven't heard one good explanation for it. All it does is protect uh, uh, private operators and insurance companies, and I really don't understand why they're doing this while the commission that's looking into this tragedy is still hard at work. One would think you would wait for their findings and conclusions and get to the bottom of, that, of what actually went wrong here before you you know, started offering uh, protections for various actors. So I, I don't understand it. It's, it's, it's shocking to me. It's very disappointing to our clients. Uh, it's not going to stop any of these lawsuits, but it's very disappointing that the government would enact some legislation that purports to try and extinguish their rights retroactively um, while all of this is unfolding and without, without any uh, consultation. Uh, let's bring in Graham Webb from the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. And uh, I uh, could not get uh, the, the people that represent the long-term care industry today. Uh, they weren't available. But in the past, uh, the, the CEOs of, of both the group uh, that represents nonprofit homes and the group that represents for-profit homes have told me that they are in favor of this. And the main reason being is that they said, well, they're having difficulty or are completely unable to get liability insurance, and this is threatening their operation. Graham, is that a valid rationale or excuse? Well, I think it's a very poor public policy decision in response to that very problem. Like, we're aware that long-term care homes are having increasing difficulty obtaining and maintaining liability insurance because, excuse me, some uh, insurers are withdrawing completely from the field. Uh, Long-term care homes are not able to renew their policies. And it would be very concerning that we should have uninsured long-term care home operators in Ontario. It would be just as concerning as having uninsured motorists on the road. Um, But um, the response the government has given is to try to solve this on the back of uh, long-term care home residents and their survivors uh, who have been injured through the negligence of a long-term care home operator. Long-term care home operators who have not been negligent have no liability. This is all about uh, protecting the liability of negligent long-term care home operators and uh, working to the advantage of the insurance companies that uh, are on the hook right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other issue. I, I also, uh, oddly, didn't get a response from the insurance industry, but but uh, one would wonder why they are allowed to proceed like that. Kathy- well, Libby, if I may say, if the purpose of legislation is to influence future conduct, 
then making this uh, legislation retroactive has no positive effect on the past conduct of long-term care homes. Uh, let's go to Kathy. Kathy, what are you hoping to get from pursuing this? From pursuing the lawsuit? Yes. Accountability. It, you know, it happened, uh, I filed in uh, May, my lawyer, Melissa Miller of Howie Saxon Henry filed for me in May. And at the time, uh, it was a family discussion with my brothers and my niece. And you would think that at this point, maybe if it were done in anger, that would have calmed down. It was never done in anger and it was never done um, out, out of maybe a partially a sense of grief. But we all felt that there needed to be accountability for the way things happened. I, I mean, we all know that our, our parents, if you know things go the way they should, that they will pass before us and we're going to have to go through that grieving process. It's not about that. It's about what happened to him in the last six days of his life how he died, that he died alone. I know he was neglected. I have proof that he was neglected. And there needs to be, it's not okay to let that slide. There needs to be answers for it. There needs to be accountability. And and then it needs to immediately follow up with change. Hmm. Well, we've been promised that for a very, very long time. Stephen Berman, the government says this isn't going to protect nursing homes that are grossly negligent. Uh, why is that not good enough? Well, um, it, it's not good enough because the negligence standard alone is a, is a high enough and difficult enough standard for litigants to have to meet, especially uh, these litigants um, who are very vulnerable um, many have passed away, and uh, there's limited proof and evidence uh, uh, for a lot of what's gone on uh, as there is. So now you're putting this group into a into a, a bucket where they need to meet this gross negligence standard. Um, it is a higher standard. It's a little unclear as to what gross negligence actually means. The Supreme Court has said it means very great negligence, and in my view, what's gone on here is 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 very terrible and and, and meets that growth standard, however it's going to end up being defined, but it's going to make it more difficult. Like There's no question about it. It gives uh, insurance companies an added argument and added ability to uh, delay these cases. Uh, it adds a level of uh, red tape to the, to the litigation, undoubtedly, and there's no reason for this very vulnerable group to, to have to meet a, a higher standard than anybody else. I'm not aware of the gross negligence standard in any other litigation in Ontario, so why are we putting this most vulnerable group that has faced the most horrible of tragedy to a higher standard than we put any other litigants in any other context? Okay. Let's take a call from Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Good, good afternoon. Um, I think there are a number of issues here that we should be concerned with. First of all, I suspect that most of these lawsuits are being done on a contingency basis. In other words, the lawyers are getting a, a large share of the uh, expected award. Uh, that, that bothers me just to begin with. But I think it's important to, to point out that anybody can sue anybody over anything. All it takes is money. And uh, and the lawyers are quite willing to do that. And the other aspect is, so that they if they do uh, are successful in these suits, that's going to drive up the costs, and that's going to drive up the costs for the residents and for the taxpayers. So I think there should be some sort of enforcement, but I don't think it should be back 
through civil litigation. I totally see this as simply an opportunity where the lawyers are jumping in and, oh, we'll take your case. We'll only take 40% of the payout or whatever. Okay, Pat, I'm, I'm going to let Stephen Berman respond to that. Thanks for your call, okay? Yeah, you know, contingency fees are, are part of what provides access to justice for certain people who otherwise wouldn't be able to, uh, to bring forward claims. So, you know, if you don't like contingency fees, um, um, you know, I hear the public has some concerns about that, but the truth is there's so many claims that would never uh, see the inside of a courthouse that would never be litigated if not for contingency fees. Uh, I agree. These claims wouldn't be litigated if not for contingency fees. These uh, these are the most vulnerable group, and, and they simply couldn't afford to pay lawyer fees otherwise. So, um you know, I think we should we should be happy that we have a system that allows for contingency fees to be in place. There's very strict regulation around contingency fees by the law society and others. Um, um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of oversight there. And in terms of who would actually pay these claims at the end of the day, you know, keep in mind that there there is insurance in place, that they have insurance in place, they have had insurance in place, and the, the party that's going to be protected by this is a combination of uh, operators, many of whom are making millions of dollars and paying large dividends, and their, their insurance companies. And that comes potentially at the back of, uh, of, of individuals who, who now face uh, an added level of restriction in terms of being able to bring claims. Okay, let's go to Graham Webb. Graham, uh, what do you think of the argument is it's only the lawyers that are making money from this? Uh, how do you see it? I am so happy that the private bar is now taking on uh, personal injury cases in the long-term care home setting because it has to do with access to justice and to accountability. I'm a lawyer. I practiced law for 35 years. I was a staff litigation lawyer at a community legal clinic for 21 years, and I've been the executive director for four years. During that time, I have seen a steady stream of uh, clients over the past 25 years who wish to bring civil action against negligent long-term care home operators, but can't do so because of financial means. And 25 years ago, you couldn't get a lawyer in private practice to sue a nursing home over this type of thing. I am so glad to see that the private bar is now developing expertise and showing a willingness to take these cases, which gives access to justice for um, long-term care home residents who have been injured through the negligence of long-term care home operators and uh, gives them some measure of civil accountability in the same way as a pedestrian standing on a street corner who's struck by a negligent driver has some accountability. Okay, I am going to say uh, goodbye to Stephen Berman. Uh, Ten seconds, what would you like to leave us with? I, I just want an answer from the government as to, to why they think this is appropriate. And um, at the end of the day, this really is all about accountability. It's not about money and compensation. It's about accountability for people like Kathy and for our class members. And um, I, I don't see any justification for this legislation. I hope the government reconsiders it. Okay, thank you so much, Stephen Berman. Thank you. Everybody else, hang on, and I'm going to bring in Mike Schreiner, the leader of the Green Party of Ontario. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you doing today? Fine, thank you. So what is your reaction? I know that um, the government's been talking about this legislation for a while. Um, I thought they had completely backed off of it, and suddenly it comes down late in the afternoon. Uh, um, w- what is your reaction to it? Well, I'm just disgusted that the premier is going to give negligent long-term care homes a get-out-of-jail-free card. 
especially when we've already had, as your panelists uh, know full well, uh, suits that have already been filed against uh, negligent long-term care homes. They should be held accountable, and people deserve justice and access to justice through the courts. And for the premier to try to take that away from people is just wrong. What do you think of the argument? And again, I have had this from the uh, people who represent both profit for profit and not for profit homes. They say they absolutely need this law because they can't get liability insurance. Well, you know what? For those uh, uh, long term care homes and for those, you know, sports clubs and others, if you want to talk about, you know, businesses and others, that are outside the discussion of long-term care homes. For those that did not uh, operate in a in a negligent way, then absolutely uh, they should be protected. But for those that did operate in a negligent way, and it's not a lot, but there are a handful, uh, they should be held accountable and people deserve access to justice. You take this combined with the fact that the government is not having a full public inquiry into this and is doing this sort of behind closed door um, commission looking at long term care. To me, it's just a slap in the face of all the people who my heart goes out to who have lost loved ones uh, during the first wave of the pandemic. And I know in some cases it was in homes that were doing everything they could to, to protect their residents. But it's clear from the military reports, there were some that just operated in a negligent manner, and they should be held accountable. Uh, again, uh, um, Graham Webb, you know, uh, Doug Downey, the attorney general, keeps saying, yeah, those those that were grossly negligent will be accountable. How come that's not good enough? Gross negligence is a question of fact, as is a good faith, uh, a good faith effort, which means an honest effort, whether an operator has made an honest effort, whether they made a good faith effort, whether they may have been grossly negligent. These are all factual issues that make it harder for people to recover. It makes litigation more expensive because there's more legal issues and there's more factual issues. And if at the end of the day, a long-term care home operator has been negligent, but not grossly negligent in the opinion of the court, then uh, they should still be held accountable. And on a go-forward basis, we don't want to see uninsured long-term care homes. And on a go-forward basis, it may be, and I've said this to you before, Libby, on another of your programs, that if the province of Ontario, which licenses and oversees long-term care homes, has confidence in the long-term care homes they're licensing, and those homes are not able to obtain liability insurance, then perhaps the province of Ontario should be underwriting the uninsured liabilities of those long-term care homes that they have licensed, that they should be inspecting, and that they have legal responsibility to oversee. Uh, Mike Schreiner, this is kind of broadening the discussion a bit, but it seems to me that especially during these pandemic times, there, it, there is long-term care and there are all kinds of other businesses like taxis that the insurance industry is deciding, ah, we don't want to insure them anymore. I mean, sh- shouldn't the government be on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the government needs to be looking at, at, at the very least, temporary insurance regulations around uh, backstopping these small businesses, taxi cabs, sports clubs, and others. Uh, that in many cases now are being gouged by insurance companies 
uh, and or in many cases uh, being denied business interruption insurance claims, et cetera. I can tell you I'm on the province's economic recovery committee. And over the summer, we had hundreds of businesses come to us. And the issue around insurance is a huge one. So let's address that. But let's address that in a way that addresses the challenge for, you know, small businesses and sports clubs and taxis and things like that. To me, that should be separated from the issue around access to justice and ensuring justice for people who have lost loved ones because of what happened in long-term care. I, I, I agree with you. It just seems to me that, you know, uh, people are being penalized, uh, except the insurance industry. And, and Graham, I know that there are similar laws to this one in the United States, but I, I don't know how you can comp- compare the level of, of litigation there to here. I um, have no expertise in American law. My lay understanding is that damages claims for tort actions in the United States far exceed damages damage claims for tort actions in Ontario. And I, uh, my understanding is that uh, a comparison to American tort claims and Canadian tort claims is not at all is not at all proportional. Uh, Mike, um, do you think there's anything else behind this? I mean, that this law would protect government municipalities. Do you think that the Ford government is worried that they will be sued? Uh, is there anything else behind this than than uh, helping out these nursing homes, which, as I said, might might not be able to get insurance? Yeah, well, I, I certainly can't uh, speak for for the government, but we have seen a clear pattern of behavior. Uh, from the government uh, around not being fully transparent with what has happened in long-term care homes uh, in the first wave of COVID. Uh, and I think, you know, there, so the fact that the government refused to conduct a full public inquiry into what happened is, is an element of that. I think this bill that was introduced yesterday uh, is an element of that. And I think what people are telling me who are reaching out to my office is, is they want long-term care homes and government to be held accountable for what happened and to learn from what happened uh, so we can take the steps to prevent something, a tragedy like this from happening again in the future. And, And so for the government to not be fully transparent and now to try to deny people uh, justice, I think is wrong. Uh, Kathy, uh, have you thought about what you might do if you are prevented from pursuing your action? Uh, all I know right now is that we will be carrying, we'll, we'll be moving forward with this. It's, I don't think it's actually going to stop anyone from moving forward with their actions. And I think that this idea that it's going to, um, you know, clog up the legal system this is actually going to create an even more complicated system. It's going to drag them out that much longer. It's going to put that much more pressure on the insurance companies. Um, I'm not sure as far as what would I do if I can't move forward, my hands are tied. So the only thing that I can do is wait for June of 2022 and vote. Yeah. um, the, The other question is, Kathy, I mean, the emotional impact of this, Obviously, you want justice, you want to see change, but but surely there's a toll of pursuing this and it for it dragging on. It's, it's, it's a roller coaster. 
it seems that every month there's something, there's some new obstacle in the way. And having to deal with the grief alone um, and then all of this on top of it, it's, it's reopening a wound about once a month. And um, I know that many families feel that way. And it just seems like a, a struggle, a constant struggle during what is already a difficult time. The pandemic alone on its own is difficult. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely made it harder for everyone. And the, there's so many mixed emotions of grief and anger and sadness, and it, it just bubbles over. Uh, my heart goes out to you. Um, we are uh, running out of time. Graham, what would you like to leave us with on this? Residents and their families like Kathy Parks are not in the business of long-term care. They're experiencing this once in a lifetime, and it may be something that's led to the death of someone. And so this is very uh, difficult on them to take this litigation in the ordinary sense, and it's not right that it be, should be made even harder to hold a negligent long-term care home operator accountable. And Mike Schreiner. Yeah, well, first of all, my heart goes out to Kathy and all the other families. Like, this is just a real slap in the face. And uh, I want to say Kathy raised up a good point that this may actually lead to additional litigation uh, and even clog the courts up even more. So I think the government should be making it easier for people to access justice and have their day in court, not harder. Okay. Um, Obviously, there's going to be a lot more on this. In the meantime, thank you so much, Kathy Parks, Graham Webb, and Mike Schreiner. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.